0: Father, we do thank you for this evening, and we just lift this time up to you, and just, uh, God, just the honor to serve you. Lord, we would just pray that you work through us, that as we go through each day, that as an opportunity presents itself, that we're bold to share the good news, the hope that we have in us, that we share it with others. So, Lord, we just pray that you be with us as we go through this evening, and we thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I don't profess to be an expert, um, but I have been looking into this and talking with folks. And so uh, there's information I want to share tonight. We'll kind of look at some statistics to begin with, and then we'll look at some scripture um, as as we go through. So kind of what the next four weeks. There we go. Kind of what we'll look at the next four weeks. Basically, tonight we're going to try and get through two lessons: the importance of grace, and your grace is enough for me. And then on the seventeenth, we'll look at our hope against human trafficking. Uh, and the following is creative: a redemptive culture that inspires hope, and fa- fathers reducing vulnerability. And then the last is the prodigal father. Uh, we'll look at the last week and how that all entails. So, but this is something that um, God just really put it on my heart when I started learning about it and talking to it, and we actually um, kind of I think what got it interested is years ago, Marjorie and I used to be youth directors at Benita Valley Baptist Church, and one of the kids there now is the uh, she takes care of the women's ministry, and she actually is the office administrator at the branch in San Diego. It's a church plan. I think it's a church plan out of Horizon, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, she kind of piqued my interest in this, and it's always good to see that someone's life that you've kind of been able to speak to, that they really are making an impact. And so I thought, you know what, this is really today with everything that's going on, at least... Let's learn more about it. Let's learn what it is and what maybe we can do to to impact lives. So um, the curriculum comes from Church Action Network. Um, So uh, we'll go through. We'll walk through it, talk about it. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to raise your hands. If I don't have an answer, I'll make a note of it and... We'll get back and make sure that you get the answer that you need. In the business world, we call, we put up a parking lot so that when you have a question we can't answer, we put it on the parking lot. But I promise we will get that car unparked and get the answer for you. So some stats. What countries come to mind where sex trafficking is happening? What are some countries that you think about? Yeah. This this was a su- surprising statistic to me. 85% of confirmed sex trafficking victims are US citizens. They move them around the country. They have a network set up. I just read one bill mentioned it this morning we were talking, but um, they they move these people around the country very efficiently. I mean, they will they will move the ground to 80%, and we'll look at this, about 80% is mostly female, 20% is male. Uh, male is getting a little higher because of our culture today with the LGBT and the interest in, in boys struggling with their sexual identity and things like that. Um, 48% that said they did this because they didn't have a place to stay. Uh, I was talking about runaways and things like that that... Basically, they got involved because they had nowhere to stay, and somebody and this person would take care of them. And we'll talk a little more about that. Um, it's fastest growing crime in the U.S. next to drugs. It's the fastest growing crime. Social media means is a major means for recruitment. And it's not just Facebook and Twitter. Bill mentions always some of the apps that he follows and things. It is amazing the number of apps out there that, that is involved. Next, say, 80% are women. $32 billion industry worldwide. That figure comes from the United Nations. $32 billion. So how big do you think it is in San Diego? This was from a study that Point Loma University did over two years. Any guesses? Put a number on that, I would have to dig more into the research. I was looking at... Africa? Huh? Yeah. Well, this, this is just based on San Diego, the research they did. Well, just to give an idea, with the average girl, their goal is $1,000 a day with anywhere from 35 to 40 men per day. So that's... Mm-hmm. $810 million just in San Diego County. It's second largest next to drugs. Drugs is the number one moneymaker. Sex trafficking is number two. 85% of it's gang-affiliated. And we'll talk a little bit about how, they, how, they, how the kids get, it, get trapped into it. Uh, just in San Diego, it's between eight and 11,000 victims a year. Worldwide, it's over a million. Uh, Opal Singleton is going to speak on February 6th. That's how she came up with the name of her organization, Million Kids. There's a million kids a year are trafficked. Schools are, tar- are targets for recruiting. They have what they call bottom girls, the girls that are teenagers and stuff. And so to get out of from having to perform sex acts, they will get registered in local high schools and they will recruit. They will befriend people. They look for people like new, new students. You ever I don't know, have you ever been a new student in a school? Are you lonely? You know, it's hard to make friends, especially today. They target people like this. Average age, 14 and a half. They can have them as younger, but they're fine. The average age is 14 and a half. How many saw the, I don't know, some of you I know have Facebook. How many of you saw the videos going around about the parents who had this guy that was contacting their daughters, and they were like 12, 13, 14 years old, and they were filming this? And there was one that was 12 years old, and he basically Somehow got in contact with her and they were texting back and forth and she thought she was talking to someone her age. And he showed up at her house and of course the father's in the car, the truck, and the daughter actually comes out, is going to meet this person. And of course it turns out, 12 years old, and they had, I don't know, there was three or four videos that they had that parents, they just could not believe that their child would meet somebody online and then even have the audacity to go meet them at a park or something to see, you know, what was going on. So how are they recruited? Boyfriends? Uh, I don't know if you remember growing up, you know, this one little tagline, oh, just this one time. You know, what's, what's just this one time? It's for I love you. You mean everything to me. You're my world. Social media. Girl recruiters. We talked about the bottom girls. Material enticements. Buy them jewelry. Buy them clothes. You know, maybe they come from a home that's not, doesn't have as much as others. And so now they can get the latest shoes. They can get the latest designs. Basically, just buying them things. Involvement with drugs or payment for drugs. (laughs) Fraudulent job offers. Oh, you make a wonderful model. I can get you on Vogue. I can, you know, I can get you in Victoria's Secret. You know, you're just, oh, you're perfect. Parents parents offering their kids to friends. I get emails every day on, um, because I've got a, couple of sites that i've registered on and it is amazing the number of of kids that are just getting in, involved in this because they're being tricked family members gang members swooping in on newcomers in school we talked about this that's uh that's that's been a very it's a fact um they've had it right here in east county over the last couple of years, the district attorney's office has prosecuted some folks. Uh, gang organized massage parlors. Uh, and then participation just in prostitution rings. A lot of it's just promises. So hot spots. These are, and this is just San Diego. Hot spots. You got trolleys, bus stops, house parties, neighborhood parks, alternative high schools, um, the open field in nation city that was that was kind of interesting Alcohol uh, boulevard social media social media keeps popping up tattoo parlors churches I like that churches malls. This is just a smattering of some of the sites that are out there you 've and back page there there 's a real law enforcement is not sure what to do with Backpage because today, today you don't have prostitution like it used to be. Backpage is used quite a bit. And so district attorneys and law enforcement really struggle with what to do with this because one, they can use it to entrap pimps and stuff that are prostituting girls. And so they can close in on them and arrest them. But if they prosecute back page and shut them down, then that just forces them further underground and they're harder to catch. Um, I went to the adult page and I went off the adult page real quick and prayed. Because it was just, you re, just what you read on there is just unbelievable with, you know, what they talk about with some of these young girls. And, of course, they all play them as being 18, but they're not. So that's just a smattering. There's, I mean, you've got kick. Uh, kick is one that's used very popular, uh, but all of those are used for contact, for reaching out, for. First, that's a yep. You mean that? Oh, yep. That's, what is I've, I've heard that. Which one? Oh, forest You know, I'm not sure. Uh, I know one that's being used a lot is Oogle. Oogle is one that that you basically, you talk to a stranger. You know how you always tell your kids, don't talk to strangers? That's their tagline, talk to a stranger. So you can be out there just conversing back and forth. Um, And this is just a small portion. That's just all I can fit on the slide. Uh, well, many times, I mean, they're, they're on there and they're pretending to be a 12 or 13 or 14-year-old girl or a 12 or 13, 14, 15-year-old boy. and what i What I don't understand is, like, I watch things on YouTube all the time. <laughs> well, the search engine on the internet is pretty powerful. Depending on the words that you put in, will determine on what pops up, uh, and that's that's kind of like Backpage. Backpage is like I say, it's, it's 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 being used quite a bit for solicitation of of the girls and even boys. I, I kind of lean towards girls because eighty percent, but like I said, twenty percent are boys today. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you could search, and then, you know, it just depends on what you're looking for. Uh, but in the case we talk about the bottom girls, a lot of times what they'll do is let's say that you have a, a visitor in school or she's a new student. I say this girl's a new student, she's having a hard time making friends. The bottom girl identifies that. And so then they befriend that person. They become the, you know, just a, hey, you know, I was going to go to the mall after school. Why don't you go with me? And, you know, it just you know, hey, I had such a great time. Can I get your can I get your cell phone number? So now they got their cell phone number. And it just goes on and on. And basically just it's building on people's innocence and trust. That you know, hey, I'm a, I'm a good person. And um, the short video that we have actually is going to talk about that a little more and walk you through kind of an example of how a girl got entrapped into this. So the importance of grace. The church. We're poised to be a light to the world. We can we can reach out to these individuals and really make a difference. But we need, to, we need to be prepared. Uh, in James 2, if one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm, well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? So when you identify, it's like I said this morning sometimes. Now, would I confront a pimp? I probably would not because I'm not strong enough. But I can pick up a phone and dial 911, especially if I know something's going on. Uh, I have a friend that's a detective in the San Diego Police Department. He says they take this very seriously today because they do realize today that these girls and these young boys are victims and they're not, and most of them are not in this for the enjoyment or the money. Uh, They're in it for the money to stay alive because of the pimp now that they've been involved in. So I think we have an obligation that. You know, as we learn about this and we see it, we need to reach out in some form and either report it to police. There's the national hotline you can call, which I'll have resources at the end. But human trafficking, it's, it's a crime of exploitation. These people are being used and abused. Have you ever, have you ever been taken advantage of? I mean, just, you know, think... Nothing too serious, but taking advantage. I know I've been involved in things that, you know, maybe I ended up buying that I regretted later, and it's because somebody talked me into it. That, to me, I felt like had been taken advantage of. And that's what's happening here is these young boys and young girls, they they are zeroing in, and the key word is vulnerability. They look and find how are these individuals vulnerable. And, you know, they really key in on it. Um, you know, it's, it, it's no different. Uh, today, there, there are more slaves today than there were during the Civil War. So what is grace? What is grace? I can give you the dictionary version. I can also, well, basically it's undeserved favor. Or something we've not earned. You know, which guys is what God does for us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He's say it with me, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, and that's what we have. So just within the church do we always show grace to one another no, no. i mean i sometimes I had, I had at years ago i had a pastor tell me one time i think we were we were um the youth directors and stuff and he just said last season you know his church sometimes gets ugly but he said you know thank god for grace you know, and how you work through that, you know, by going to one another, talking to one another, you know, asking for forgiveness, giving forgiveness. You know, it's, it's how we build relationships. And, you know, the girls and, and young men that, that get involved in this, if we're able to reach out with them, if they're able to come to church, how we respond to them makes a big difference. You know, have they made a mistake? Yes. Have we made mistakes? Yes, maybe not as big as what they've done, but still, you know, sin is sin and they got wrapped into something. They need grace. They need to see love and grace. And that's kind of what we want to look at. And if we can, this is, this video is just going to kind of walk through an example of how someone gets entrapped in this. Grace, hope, and fatherhood.
1: The importance of grace. To begin, let's ask the question. Where is grace? Grace is expressed in relationship. It shows up between persons. But grace isn't between persons like a table stands between my guest and me. That's not where grace is. So where is it? Grace is in the heart. However, grace is in a particular heart. It's in the heart of the hurt or offended person. Some relationships are marred by hurt. Those relationships need grace to survive. Grace paves the way to forgiveness. Grace brings about reconciliation. Grace seeks empowerment. Grace seeks empowerment so a previously strained relationship can thrive. Grace seeks restoration for the purpose of redemption and renewal. Grace means bringing beauty from ashes. Grace means achieving a good that judgment, condemnation, and estrangement could never achieve. It's like what we experience with God. Grace-based relationships are a microcosm of our relationship with the Father. Where is grace? It's in the heart of the hurt and offended. It's in the heart of the Father, the God of all grace. 1 Peter 5.10 NIV So the answer to the where is grace question is that grace is in the heart. Let's consider another question. What is grace? Grace is undeserved favor. Its favor that we do not merit, have not earned, is not our due. Those who understand grace appreciate what it brings to life and relationship. What does grace bring? Grace brings hope. Grace brings hope that life can be good again. Grace brings hope. Even though we have sinned and are broken and cannot go back to the way things once were, we still can experience love, acceptance, and God's good purposes for us. Think about God's grace. He doesn't merely tolerate us after we've made a mess of our lives. He delights over us. He rejoices that we've been redeemed and now belong to Him. God's grace is multifaceted. It's grace for salvation. It's grace for transformation. It's grace to equip us for service. It's grace to fulfill His good purposes in and through us. It's grace to lead us to glory. Here are three things to remember. The what of grace is undeserved favor. The where of grace is in the heart of the Father. The why of grace is relationship. Consider this. Suppose grace is taken out of the equation. What's left? Life without grace leaves us with law, the expectation of what we should have done, judgment, the declaration of our failure, condemnation, our just deserts, and estrangement, the end of relationship. Without grace... All that's left is hopelessness. So what does all this have to do with human trafficking? Everything. Let's develop a better understanding of human trafficking. Human trafficking is a relationship between persons where one person exploits another's body or labor for gain. Consider the core dynamic of human trafficking. Human trafficking is fueled by the lust for illicit profit at the expense of another. The Bible says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. 1 Timothy 6.10 It's true. People who lust after money will resort to barbarous and inhumane treatment of others in order to get what they want, more money. Human trafficking is also about entrapment. Entrapment in human trafficking often involves a breakdown of grace. Consider what some vulnerable persons experience. When we're talking about vulnerable persons, we're talking about the impoverished, minorities, the fatherless, survivors of abuse, those in foster care, children with special needs, unmarried pregnant teens, and runaways. And the fact is that often when these vulnerable persons fail, they don't often find the same measure of redemptive grace that others do. Instead, they experience judgment, condemnation, and alienation. Here's a brief side note. Grace is not always soft, but it's always redemptive. The Bible says, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Hebrews twelve five and six. We go on to read, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. Hebrews twelve ten. F-
0: Well, it was fully charged, but um, what comes after that and, and what it's talking about is the grace that we do need to show others, and especially the young people that, that come in, is that we need to understand where they've been. It doesn't mean that we condone what they've done, but that we have a hope that we can share with them. We have something that we can really relate to them and show and pull them away from what they've been involved in. Uh, there's a home here in San Diego. It's called Generate Hope, and that's what it's for. It's it's to traffic girls that have been rescued can go there. They can get their high school education. They can be kept safe. Um, I know where the office is. I do not know where the home is. Um, that's for obvious reasons. And so... They are designed specifically to help these girls here in San Diego County. There's two or three homes here in San Diego County generate hopes, the one I learned about through Lisa at the branch. And they, they do an outstanding job In fact, someone, they just purchased a building that they were able to purchase. Someone donated over $300,000 to them. And they were able to raise another $100,000 to supplement it completely. So now they have this building that's free and clear. They have no mortgage. And, you know, God is really doing a work there. It's a Christian-based organization. Like Rafa House, it's in Cambodia. I think uh, Rafa House is expanding into thailand or indonesia do you remember bill yeah um but it's basically to protect these girls you know and build their confidence back up and show them the love of god so that's that's what it's designed but the example that they were showing it was talking about the bottom girl that there was in the high school and so this girl was new And she went to school and she couldn't make friends. And this bottom girl identified her as somebody who was vulnerable. And they really do key in on that. They look for the vulnerable youth. And she befriended her, just kind of how we were talking a little bit. Hey, let's go to the mall. You know, hey, oh, I really like that necklace. Let me buy it for you. Hey, you know, I'd like to get there again. Can I get your cell phone number? Can I get your email address? You know, and so just began to build a relationship with her. And then she says, hey, you know, some friends of an hour, we're going to a party this weekend. Why don't you come with us? You know, it's nothing nothing big, anything like that. Girl gets there. There's alcohol. There's drugs. Somebody slipped something into her drink, and uh, she was gang raped. They filmed the whole thing, and then they threatened to put it on the Internet, put it out there on Facebook, put it out there everywhere so other people could see it. She was so embarrassed and, and this entrapped her into this. And so then now she's trapped. And then the gangs threaten to kill her parents if she says anything. So she feels hopeless. That's just one way. The, the, the key word is vulnerability. They look for the kids that are vulnerable. And that's, that's, the key, that's one of the keys. So what can we do? One is show grace. Um, you know we should we should do that we should do that always I mean whether it 's the homeless or the rich person or the person in between that we need to understand where they are they don 't know Christ, you know we need to share that good news with them. We need to be bold enough to be able to share that hope that 's within us and how they can heal through that. Um, they need help they don 't need judgment, especially if they don 't need christ and you know they can be walked through, and you know shown the love of God. Call the National Runaway Safe Line, uh, and uh, I'll make sure that these resources are available uh, right here in San Diego. Like I said, is Generate Hope. It's just GenerateHope.org. If you want to check them out, go online. Um, Poly Class Foundation: 1.6 million kids run away from home each year. Many of these will engage in survival sex in the first 48 hours. They think things are so bad at home, they run away, but they realize when they're out there now, they have no money, they have no way to take care of. Somebody on the street befriends them, and voila, before they know it, they're entrapped in this. And it's normally... Someone will come up alongside them, whether it's a bus station or wherever it is, and they'll say, hey, you know, I have a place you can stay. You know, buy them clothes, take care of them, and just basically flourish whatever it is on them and get to the point that um, they take advantage of them. One of those is, you know, they, they really befriend this young person. Say it's a girl. And they kind of become boyfriend and girlfriend. And then... You know, he's just lavishing gifts on her and just, I mean, just using the the love quotient to really make her feel accepted. And then one day, it's, you know what, I got this guy I owe all this money to. You know, if you can do this one thing for me, my debt will be wiped out and we'll be set and we we don't have to worry about that anymore. And you can imagine what that one thing is. And girls, I don't know. I, I remember my son going to high school, and he used to get so angry because I like to think I did something right. Because he's, he's a good kid. He, you know, he, he looked, you know, he had, when he was in high school, believe it or not, he had dreadlocks. You know, he's got tattoos. You know, he just had a, he's got a, such a great heart, and it used to frustrate him so much. Because of how guys would treat their girlfriends. And he would ask the girls, why do you stay with them? What do you think the answer was? He loves me. He loves me. No matter how bad they were treated. And it just used to frustrate him to no end. I mean, some t- <laughs> I'm telling off on him a little bit. But normally he would date a girl once or twice and they would dump him. Because he turned out to be a nice guy He looked bad But he was a nice guy So So what are some of the resources out there Millionkids.org I ran across Opal Um, And there's ProtectSanDiegoKids.org There's GenerateHope.org And I'll make sure that you have these Also make sure my, I swear that that computer was powered up it was a brand new computer, but I'll make sure it's powered up next week. Um, But what I want to take a look at, we look at scripture and I, I know it's, it's something that you're all familiar with and it's, it's in John chapter four and it's a woman at the well. John chapter 4, and I'm going to read uh, the first few verses. It says, The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, and although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples, when the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his sons Joseph jacob's well was there and jesus tired as he was from the journey he sat down by the well and it was about the sixth hour which would have been about noon now normally just knowing um, jesus was a jew and if he was a really devout jew normally he would not have trod through samaria they just they had they wanted nothing to do with the samaritans They would have went, they would have went out of their way to go around Samaria without going, without going through Samaria. But scriptures tells us he had to go through Samaria. So there was a reason. And we're gonna, we're gonna find out what that reason was. So when the Samaritan woman says it, it was about the sixth hour, which was noon, it would have been noonday, it would have been hot, it would have been warm. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. That was something that just normally would not happen. And here Jesus came to her and he said, Will you give me a drink? And especially, they would not use the Samaritans' utensils. That, was just, that would have just made them unclean. And here Jesus was asking her, and, and she says, you know, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Basically, we shouldn't even be associating. And the other is, if my understanding is correctly, normally as a male, Jesus would not even be talking to a woman in the middle of the day on the street. So Jesus answered her and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So Jesus is starting a conversation with her and basically something in water, talking about water. Jesus actually offered living water. And the woman says, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? who has the well who gave us this well and drank for it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds and so she's still thinking worldly carnally you know it's like well you don't have anything to draw with how can you give me any water jesus answered and said everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again but whoever drinks the water i give him will never thirst Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to her, sir, give me this water so that I can get, so that I won't be thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. So she's still thinking earthly. It's like, wow, you give me this water. I don't have to trudge here every day to come and get water in the middle of the day. So he says, go call your husband and come back. This is where he touches on her sin. He says, go and call your husband and come back. And she's truthful. She said, Well, she's kind of truthful. She says, well, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you were right when you say you have no husband. The fact is... You've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. So she kind of told the half truth. She did say, no, I'm not married, but she didn't say anything about the guy that she was living with, which would not have been appropriate. And the Samaritans would have known. They would have known about God. They would have known about Yahweh, uh, even though they were really kind of mixed up going through the history and Bible study on Monday night, we're going through first Kings right now. And we've gone through where the kingdom split and you got the Northern kingdom and the Southern kingdom and how the Northern kingdom just became so steeped in idolatry. And eventually it, it got to the Southern kingdom, but the Northern kingdom was just, they were into Baal worship and, and everything else. And, um, so, but they knew of Yahweh. They had a place that they worshiped, uh, although that was not the appropriate place to worship because the place to worship was in Jerusalem. But with the kingdom split and the king, when they first split, did not want the Jews in, in the northern kingdom going to the southern kingdom to worship because he was afraid that they might stay. So he set up a worship center in the northern kingdom. And they would have known scripture, but they would have had a mixture Of everything that was going on. But they were aware of Yahweh. They were aware of God. And says, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place to worship. Must We must worship in Jerusalem. So she's aware. And she's aware now that Jesus knows about her life. She says, you must be a prophet because he's able to know about her life. He knew that she wasn't married. He knew that she had been married five times and now was living with someone. So... Her sin comes out. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when, we, when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshiper those fathers seek. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship them in spirit and in truth. And so he's, you know, he's basically confronting her. He's coming up and saying, you know, it doesn't matter, because at some point in time, we're not going to have a specific place to worship that, we're going to worship God where we are, which we do today. Now we come and we fellowship, we meet, we're under instruction of pastors and elders so that we can be built up, so that we can be trained, so that we can go out and we can reach people for Christ. But we should worship God wherever we are. And the woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. So she knows enough that, you know, through what they've learned, but they don't know the whole story. But she knows that Christ is coming. And he, when he comes, he will explain every to, everything to us. And in the NIV, it says, Then Jesus answered, I who speak to you am he. And really, he is not there. So it's basically saying, I am. He is declaring to her, I am the Christ. It's I who speak to you am. Now... This is someone who has had five husbands, who's living with somebody, who goes in the middle of the day because normally they would go in the cool of the night or in the cool of the morning to go get the water. She goes in the middle of the day, possibly so that she won't run into people, maybe gossips, maybe people that would treat her harshly because of how she's living her life but here's jesus the messiah comes and sits talks with her he being a jew she's a samaritan which normally would not happen and he just talks to her and he offers up to her living water then it says didn't jesus jesus then his disciples returned were surprised to find him talking with a woman but no one asked what do you want or why are you talking with her Then leaving her water jar, and this is what I think is really exciting, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. So here, she's been going in the middle of the day to kind of avoid people, but now she's going and seeking people and wants to tell them about Jesus Christ. And that's the impact that we can make in these young people's lives, is if we share Christ with them, the hope that is in us, that is something that they can take with people that other people that we may not ever be able to come in contact with, that they could share, that if they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they can reach people that we may not even be able to reach. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And then we're going to jump down to verse 39. What an impact Jesus was able to compassionately share with her and point out to her her sin, which should happen because there has to be repentance. But she was so excited. She actually has met the Christ, and she went immediately and shared it with the others in the community. Jesus, now... Here, not only was he walking through Samaria, which normally a devout Jew would not do, he stays two days, and he eats with them. I mean, what an impact. And that's what I would like to see, that when we come across individuals, that if we can have an impact in their lives, that when we can sit and we can share Jesus Christ, that we can share with them how we came to know Jesus Christ that's what she did she said I've met this guy he's going to give me living water this is the Messiah this is the Christ that we've been expecting and people believed they saw a change in her life there had to be a change in her life for them to see and that's what I would like to see us that as we reach out to people and we touch them and we share with them the hope that we have in Jesus Christ but that's a decision they have to make um I know I share with you the, the first time I spoke about the young lady at the airport and that's this to me that was that was the same thing. She actually just said, Can I talk to you? And I took the time to talk to her and she told me everything she had been through and I had two options. I had two options. I could have condemned her, made her feel like dirt, or I could listen to her. I could share with her from the word what Jesus Christ says about our sin, that there's a need for repentance, and that she truly could have a relationship with Jesus Christ, which she does today. She's attending Horizon North County. She's gotten involved and... We text back and forth every week. Marjorie knows. And we are praying for her husband. He's not a believer. We're praying for her husband. And she has confessed everything to him and to her family. And he's made a decision to stay with her out of all that she's done. That's the impact that we can have in people's lives. And I'm, I don't tell you this to brag. It's just it's an example that when... We take the time. When God puts those individuals in our lives, we need to take the time and share with them the hope that we have. have. So, victims of human trafficking. There's no consistent type or profile. Polaris Project, they've done some studies on this, and, and the, key, the key word we've talked about are vulnerability. Um, these kids can come from any walk of life, good homes, bad homes, uh, runaways, but you know the, the targets, they look for the vulnerable. So your, your runaways are vulnerable. Foster care kids are very vulnerable. Uh, you know, There's fortunately not enough good foster homes out there uh, kids that get hooked up in drugs and so they don't have money to buy. So they get wrapped up in it. Uh, they can have unstable life at home, uh, and they're abused or neglected. So it just depends. Um, the MO of traffickers, they say you can get farther with honey than you can vinegar. You know, it's kind of like we were talking about where we're buying gifts and just lavishing all this stuff on an individual to make them feel good and and important and that you really love them. And basically, many times, victims will stay in a relationship out of love for the abuser. And it's unfortunate, but it's true. And it's like I was sharing about my son. He used to get so angry he'd come home. You know, and then, you know, he would even try and go talk to the guy and say, you know, why are you doing this? What's going on? You know, it just, it doesn't make sense. But they really, truly believe that they're loved. And many of them are paraded around. You say, how does that? They're paraded around, around in the open. One of the biggest events where this is a problem is the, is the Super Bowl. They fly these girls in, bring them in from all over the country. Hundreds and hundreds of them. And they are paraded around. They are, there's like a circuit. Um, one of the emails I received the other day, within a month's span, this girl had been in five states. So it's sometimes hard to track them down. They just take them from state to state to state to state. And, you know, do basically make money. Most of um, what I got was their goal is usually a $1,000 a day is what they need to bring in. And it gets to a point that once they get to that point, then they use abuse and terror. I'm going to kill your family. I'm going to beat you, whatever it may be. And they keep, and so they have the, the, the person's identification, driver's license, passports, whatever. And that's something that Opal will talk about is how to spot something that may be going on. And just quickly, it's like one of the things, if you're in an airport and you can see that there's an older guy and there's a young girl and she's she doesn't have her passport or she doesn't have her own money, she doesn't have her driver's license, everything is being controlled by the person, that's a good indicator that that person is being trafficked. And Opal Trains, flight attendants and, and government agencies and everything to, you know, these are the things that you look out for. And it's the things that we can, you know, spot. And I would rather make a mistake. Than have something happen and find out that that's what that was. Matthew five fourteen through sixteen. You are the light. Somebody want to open their Bible and read Matthew five fourteen through sixteen, please. Okay. You are the light of the world. A city on the not hidden. Neither do people
1: light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before
0: men that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in you. Yeah, and that's. That's what we can. That's what we can be. We can, uh, you know, we're, that's what we're to be. We're to be a light to the world. We're not to hide it. We're not to, you know, um, what's the Sunday school song? This little light of mine. Uh, we're not to hide that. We're to, we're to share it. We're to, you know, let people know that it's there, and that can make a that can make a huge difference. I know. in in talking with some people, especially like uh, San Diego Police Department and stuff they really have seen the light has kind of come on is that these kids are victims. And so now they look for places like generate hope and places like that, that they can place these girls that they can, they can get help because they realize that by taking them through the courts and, and giving them a criminal record and all that really is not helping them at all. And they really are victims. And so, um let's say the detective i know works for C- uh, for the police department he is a christian he's a very devout christian and you know it's just he is bec- he is a light in a lot of darkness and um he doesn't tell me everything that goes on but it's it's not you know you can imagine being a detective in a large city like san diego he sees a lot of bad stuff but he's a light you know he can minister to other police officers and um Really, really be that light. In Luke 15, 1 through 10, you should probably familiar with, with the parables. And this is, we really should be excited about this. Then the Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And Jesus replied, Why do you break? Oh, am I in that... Yeah. I wrote the wrong scripture references down. <laughs> Oh, I guess it would help if I turned to Luke instead of Matthew, huh? <laughs> I'm to get my bifocus fixed. <laughs> now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, "Rejoice with me. I have found my sheep. I tell you that the same way they were... I tell you that in the same way, they were more rejoicing. I mean, we do that now. we have baptism don't you know you get together, people uh, get baptized, we rejoice you know that you know that people have come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and that's what we need to do when we run across individuals that they make that decision to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We need to let them know that, you know, they've come home. They have a home now that they can really be loved and cherished. And, you know, we can rejoice over that. Uh, the parable of the lost coin. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Who repent. And that should always be the goal, to steer them to Jesus Christ. Or if, if they knew Jesus Christ and they got away from it and we bring them back, we should be rejoicing. You know, God is pursuing them. God, you know, he loves us. And that's what he wants. He wants us to be able to reach out and do that. And in James 5, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Rejoice. I always say, God sent me an angel when I married Marjorie. When I met Marjorie, um, I was probably on the road to destruction. You know, I was, raised in a, I was raised in a Christian home. I went to church, you know, but that doesn't make you saved. And I knew the language and I could talk the talk. And, you know, she really had a major impact on me. And I really do say that she was the angel that God sent because... Uh, I have no idea where I'd be today if, you know, I had not met her and she was very patient with me. And um, today, I am who I am today, whether that's good or bad, I guess. But, um, you know, it makes a difference. And then one person can make that impact. One person can make that impact. And that's what I would like to see us do. And, you know, maybe this is not something that you can get your arms around in that. That's fine. I understand that. God has something that he wants you to do to impact this world for Jesus Christ. Because I was just telling, um, was this Steve? I was telling, there's a new show coming out for, um, I guess, the half-year replacement. It's on Fox. I saw the commercial today. Anybody guess what the name is? Lucifer. He makes bad look good. That's the tagline. He makes bad look good. And just the the different snapshots they show of, you know, the the trailer or whatever. It's like, you know, these people are just all excited because he does these wonderful things. You know, and that's what we need to do is show the true light. You know, that's Hollywood. That's, you know, they're going to make it look good. They do today. Bill touched on it today. Some of the things that, you know, how we will be viewed but that doesn't mean that we still can't stand up for the truth. And you know, when people, uh, people are in certain stages of their life, when you share the good news with them, it will click. God is pursuing them. The Spirit is moving. And when you share, that's, that's our obligation is to share the good news with them, to let them know that Jesus Christ is there for us and that we just need to repent of our sins and confess that he is our Lord and Savior. And trust me, it will happen. God will make it happen. We don't make it happen. We share it. And God makes it happen. And I always, I always like this verse. I like this verse out of Colossians and out of, out of First Peter um be wise in the way you act toward outsiders and make the most of every opportunity let your conversation always be full of grace seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone and um, trust me when that door opens for you to share with someone god will lay on your heart what you need to say to them You know, through, you know, of course you need to be, you know, reading your word, memorizing it, all the things that Bill tells us we need to be doing. That when that time comes, God will give you the words that you need to say. The spirit that lives within you will give you the words to say, the right scriptures to bring up and to talk to individuals. And in 1 Peter, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And that's all I can do is someone ask me. I One other job I used to have, I used to go out in sales calls. And there was one young lady one day, and we were coming back into work. And we parked the car, and she just looked over at me. And she says, can you tell me more about this Jesus? I think it was probably about in my 30s back then. I mean, just you know it's they look at you, they look at you differently there 's something different, and that 's the way you want to live your life and your workplace and everywhere that you go and the things that you do, because they will ask if they see something different, they will ask, and we just need to be in a position to offer that up so i would I would say, as we go the next next three weeks, I'll make sure my computer's charged up, but that pray what God wants you to do. Pray for what God wants you to do. You know, um, how he wants you to respond, what he would have you to do. And it doesn't necessarily have to be with girls or boys that are trafficked. It could be anyone that you come in contact with. If that opportunity opens up for you to sit down and share with them, I would encourage you to step out and be bold and do that. Because there will be rejoicing in heaven. If they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they will be rejoicing in heaven. Any questions? Comments? Is the education at the high school level when it comes to Not as much as there should be, but they're, they're getting more. There's organizations that are getting more. The district attorney's office, uh, they actually have a whole... They have... Um, a task force that is working on this now uh, And they do reach out to schools For educational programs And different things like that uh, To help help educate um, So But still You know it's, it's, it's something in the last few years Has really begun to gain, gain ground um, In fact um, Rafa House How I found about Rafa House I uh, remember Ellie Mae Clampett she was very involved. She promoted them. She used to go to churches and talk about them and really promote them heavily. Um, what was her, Donna Douglas, Donna Douglas. Yeah. Um, but she was, uh, she'd talk about her Hollywood career and the things they'd ask her to do that she wouldn't do. Uh, cause she was a Christian at the time and it probably affected her career. Uh, but she was a big, big supporter of Rafa house. And that's first time I'd heard about it. And that's probably been five or six years ago. Uh, heard her speak. And um, so it's, it's beginning to gain ground uh, in the schools, but probably not as much as it could or, or should. Nate? What uh, exactly is It's a rescue home. It, it rescues girls and gives them a place that um, they've been sold into or kidnapped and forced into sex trade in uh, Cambodia. And they're opening another home and I can't remember if it's Indonesia or or Thailand, but it's a place for them to go to be safe, to be protected, to get an education, to learn a skill, to do those things so that, you know, they don't revert back to the trade that they're used to, you know, because sometimes, you know, it's, they need an alternative to learn a skill like the generate hope. They get these girls a high school education uh, and right now generate hope is only for girls. But it gets them a high school education. It gives them hope that they can, you know, begin to build a life. But it is built. Generate Hope is a Christian organization. So they are able to share Christ and speak into their lives and do those things that need to be done. So. Well, in some ways, yes. I mean, it's they're, yeah, because they do target, you know. Unfortunately, with <laughs> with society today and the sin that's in the world, um, you know, people are looking for young girls and stuff like that. And yeah, it's you know they are pedophiles. I mean, here, uh, who's the spokesperson? Was spokesperson for Subway, Jared? You know, with all the pornography, child pornography, he had on his computer, and. Um, You know, it just, it comes out of just everywhere. And it's, you know, but it is Satan at work. Satan at work. But we can be that light, you know, and it may just be one person at a time as we share and, and take that opportunity. You know, when that door opens, because, you know, I think back, you know, there are instances that I have left past. I shared a couple of instances with you, but you know, there's, there's, been times that it's like you know what i'm busy i gotta get through the airport i you know and i look back on that and it's like did i just blow a chance you know that's at me if if god put that opportunity in my pathway and i blew it off that's on me you know so they Yeah, and opa will be Opa will be covering some of that on the sixth because um, she's very very actively involved in all that and working with the different government agencies and she's very involved up in Riverside, San Bernardino counties. She she sits on their uh, boards up there and has a lot of input and um, we couldn't get her for January because January is sex, uh, sex trafficking awareness month and she's very busy this month. Um, And she's, you know, speaking and going out and working with different organizations and with the schools. She works with schools. um, And and in talking with her and emailing with her, um, I'm convinced she knows Christ. Um, So she uses this as an opportunity that she can, you know, as she works with all these different government agencies and everything. Uh, When you see her bio, you'll see a lot of what she's involved in and everything that she's doing. Uh, and the Million Kids. Uh, it's millionkids.org is, what, uh, is the organization that she oversees. And she also sits on the board of Rafa House. Um, Generate Hope, which is here in San Diego, uh, is sponsored by a couple of corporations. Um, Calvary Chapel Marietta sponsors them. New Break Church here in San Diego sponsors them. Um, and so it's it's an avenue to, you know... Get involved? Yes. Pardon me. Judge Dumanis still push for rehabilitation, and does she know where there's Christian organizations? Because a few years back there was not. Judge. Bonnie Dumanis. Oh, the district. district attorney. Or yeah, yeah, the district attorney of San Diego, Bonnie Dumanis. Uh, I don't, I mean, I know she has uh, an assistant district attorney in her office that, that spearheads um, a group that that's what they're they're overseeing. And like I say, they've come to the realization these are victims and not criminals. And so they will not turn them back onto the street or they will not turn them back over to pimps. Um, but the problem is finding, because like generate hope, they can only handle so many girls. Mm-hmm. No, no, not anymore, because if they can get the girls to talk to them, you know, sometimes that's a problem too, that these pimps have such a strong hold on these girls that they won't talk. But if they can get them to talk, and like I say, normally they won't re-release them just back on the street. Um, I'd have to look more and to see exactly, you know, what they're, because as you can see, the number of cases, it's, it's horrendous. I mean, it's between 8 and 11,000 a year that the ones that they know of, that, that they come in contact with and generate hope, they can handle less than 100 girls. But there's, i have to look and see. There's a couple other homes in San Diego. Um, but I know, the, like I say, the government agencies, the district attorneys, the police departments and stuff, they realize the issue that this is today, and it's, it, they view it a whole lot differently than they used to in a much more positive fashion for the girls. Nate? Right, exactly, like the bottom girls or the things like that, yes, you'd want to target them for, you know, rehabilitation or target them if you can get them away from the pimps. Um, and like I say, I receive emails every day and they're, you know, they're making progress, but it's happening so so frequently, I mean, it just... Um, they just had, I mean, I could show you, (laughs) I could show you my emails that I get and it's like every day I get four or five emails, but it's a a lot of it is positive that, you know, they've just arrested 17 guys and, you know, 30 girls or, um, you know, and I get the ones and uh, that talk about girls that are missing. I think Bill, you mentioned it this morning, um, that, and you see them on Facebook. You know, I I, I see him on Facebook all the time. It's like, hey, you know, my daughter's thirteen years old, she's gone missing, she's been gone a month, and there's a pretty good suspicion of what's happened. Are there any programs for like the guys that are arrested and thrown in for a little while? For the Johns. For the Johns? Well they do I know in in uh, communicating with Opal, they you know, it's just like anyone else. You want to reach them with the gospel, you wanna reach them with Christ. Uh, but how open are they to that? Um, there's not like the rehab that you're talking about that they do for the girls where they help the homes. Because the girls are victims in that they really need to be protected. They need to be educated. They need to be reassured that their life has value. That's the other thing is they go through this. Can you imagine 35, 40 times a day? Their life has been so devalued. And they need to know that, that, that someone loves them. And that's, that's, you know, that's God. God loves them. But we have to break through that and reassure them that that is the case. Um, and so that's places like Generate Hope or Rafa House or the others that are out there, that's what they're designed to do is to reach them and share with them and let them know that they're, you know, they've been created by God and they are worth something. Anything else? Bill, would you close this in prayer, please? Oh, I'm sorry, Marlon. how many rescue houses are in San Diego? I know of three. I'll have to look up the other two. There may be more, but I'll find out. Approximately how can Well, like I say, Generate Hope can only, handles less than 100. Um, so, yeah, there's not enough. I, I can tell you there's not enough. Like Generate Hope, they have an office in Claremont, but I know that's not where the home is. Uh, we've been in contact with them. We're actually looking at um, Dave Ramsey has a Financial Peace University just for high school students. So we reached out to Dave Ramsey to see if they would donate the curriculum that could be used to Generate Hope because it's something that we thought the girls could use. So Marjorie's. Uh, gone through the background check and she's going to go down and talk to them and go through orientation and see if it's something that they would be willing to to use because the girls would you know they need to know how to handle money because they don't handle their own money you know they're 12 13 14 years old no telling how long they've been doing it and they don't get to handle the money they turn all their money over to the pimp and so the idea is to help them understand about money, how to budget, how to you know, along with the other education that they're getting to get their high school diploma, um, to go out. So, well, if they if they have homes, but they're going to need help. I mean, um, you can imagine, you know, depending on. I mean, they're going to look and see what kind of home it was. Why were they in this situation? Um, and they are going to need love and support in some areas, but yes, some would be returned to home if it's, you know, if it's a good stable home that they can be returned to. Uh, and that's another thing when you talk about grace and the response that we have as a father, your 14 year old girl say she's been gone a year and she's been through this. What is your response to her when she comes home? You know, do you have grace, do you have understanding for what she's been through and be able to, you know, have a relationship with your daughter that's been through this? Um, it would, yeah, it would, be, it would be a family thing. And, you know, praise the Lord, you know, that God is the God that he is um, because I'm not sure how I would react. I couldn't stand here and tell you how I would react. I know how I would want to respond. But when it's that close, how would you respond? Does that, does that help? But, yeah, it's, I mean, obviously always restoration with the family if, if it's possible is to happen. But they do find a lot of runaways, foster care, um, just different circumstances through, you know, Maybe it's through a divorce and you've got a bad step or a bad live-in boyfriend, even though the mom may be okay or whatever it may be. So uh, it's tough. Is there... Yes. It, it's like I say there just is not enough rooms. There's not enough beds to go around. Yeah. I mean, they do. Yeah. I mean, they do look and they look for, you know, more stable, uh, foster homes or things where, you know, people could, you know, could be placed. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of good foster homes out there, but there's also a lot of bad ones. Um, and you know, it's, it just depends. So it's, it's yes, it's it's a problem, you know. It's, um, and that's why I say you need to pray about what is God laying on your heart that that you could do, whether it's monetarily or you know whatever. Um, that I think is a choice that that you need to make. Uh, it's just you know, and it's just one issue in the world today. You know, it's um, you know you have the tornadoes and everything that just swept through. You know, the Midwest, and, you know, uh, you had a group that went back to New Jersey. You guys have been to New Orleans, uh, just came back from Cambodia. I mean, Satan's alive and well and moving across, but you know what? Like Scripture says, we can be a light. We can be a light, and we just have to be willing to do something. And you need to pray and ask God what it is that he wants you to do. Okay, it's almost 8. Bill, would you close this, please?